0: This is Nadia from the Relativity Podcast, and you're listening to Discussing Who? There's a man called the Doctor. He lives on a cloud in the
1: sky, and all he does, all day, every day, is to stop all the children in the world ever having bad dreams. Am I going to have the nightmare tonight? The snow is
0: new, possibly alien.
1: It could be a terrible weapon in the wrong
2: hands, don't you think?
0: I think winter is coming. Tomorrow the snow will
2: fall and social mankind. She is coming.
1: Naughty, naughty children! Run! Carnivorous snow meets Victorian values. What is this? I said I'd freeze you.
2: I didn't say who to. Oh,
1: The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I am Kyle Jones, and I want to start by welcoming Clarence Brown.
0: Clarence, how are you? I'm doing great, man, and as always, glad to be back recording some Doctor Who with the fam.
1: Yes, indeed,
0: with the fam, absolutely.
1: And who would complete the fam this week? Lee Shackelford. Mr. Shackelford, how are you? Uh, very well, very well. Apart from it being hot where I am, I think I even look sweaty on the Zoom, but uh, our air conditioner is bust. So that was going to be my next question. Some wibbly wobbliness let us know that your air conditioner wasn't working. So it's still on the fritz. Yes. But at least we now know what the problem is. And, and a, some
2: uh, friendly chap is going to come around tomorrow and fix it.
1: Cool. But I well, have
2: friends in out west who tell me that tomorrow in Phoenix, Arizona, it is prophesied that it will be 118 degrees yeah. wow. in Phoenix. So I personally have, that makes me want to not complain. <laughs> Could be worse.
1: So for everyone listening to our audio version of this episode, which I'll f- but see uh, for oh. everyone seeing this, you see me go, boo. <laughs> This is new for me. I am so not used to seeing ourselves. So I'm actually looking at Clarence and Lee. And this is kind of interesting, a new dynamic after five years of not you seeing each other. More. Yeah, but not like real like <laughs> couple of weeks in a row. So this oh, is yeah. this is interesting. So before we cool ourselves off with a Christmas yuletide festive episode I will say that we have some feedback and it is specifically follow-up feedback to something that I mentioned that Sarah Warren had said and she actually reached out with an apology to you Clarence because she felt bad about what she had said about Clara and she wanted to just let you know she actually reached out today and said that she felt bad and to apologize to you on her behalf but as we watch these episodes again, she loves Jenna Coleman, but there is a moment that she stopped liking Clara, but she is going for you to give Clara another chance.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the, uh, the the fight we have, the war I have to fight with you guys, because I know it gets up to a point to where, you know, Clara is not your favorite anymore, and I, I definitely understand it. So uh, no grudges held there.
2: And the difference between the character and the actor also. We love Jenna Coleman. There's oh, absolutely. Just a
1: little, oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But before we get into it, one thing that I want to remind myself and remind you guys is we've had some feedback recently from a gentleman who is watching Doctor Who for the first time and listening to us as right. he's watching that So I'm reminding myself, but I'm also reminding you guys, before I say what I love to say, is remember, we know things about Clara, but he does not yet. So as we're reviewing this, just a reminder that there's a certain thing called spoilers. And speaking of spoilers, if you have not seen The Snowman, are snowmen not the snowman. this is not frosty if you have not seen the snowmen put us on pause go out watch the episode come back because from this moment forward lee shackleford's in a television and spoilers <laughs> spoilers affirmative spoilers spoilers what's well, spoilers and i killed sparky too Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out and we are back to review The Snowmen. This is the 2012 Doctor Who Christmas special airing on the 25th of December, 2012. It starred Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor and welcomes Jenna Coleman as Clara. Summary review, Lee Shackelford, I will start with you. Summary review, what say you? I enjoyed it quite a lot. Uh, I had forgotten that it's not just a
2: Christmas story. It's it's also an episode where we get to hear the magnificent voice of um, one of our favorite actors, uh, even though he's not on camera, and the return of an actor who's played the doctor, but this time as a villain, and the Paternoster gang, and a miraculous-looking special effect that... um, was a landmark in the episode. even though he was about to say Jenna Jenna, Coleman. (laughs) Not to say Jenna Coleman. So, and I love all Doctor Who stories that take us into Victorian England, and there are a few of them, right? And so you get that too. So what's not to love,
1: really? And you didn't even mention what I thought you would have mentioned first. Mm. Sherlock. Well, yeah, and there's, well, that's part of the whole Victorian thing to me. They cannot
2: go there without somehow referencing Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) We now have an in-canon explanation for Sherlock Holmes in the Doctor Who universe. So brilliant, brilliant. All those things really happened. They just didn't happen to him.
0: Okay. <laughs> I really enjoyed this episode. Pulled on all the heartstrings. Man, it seems like Clara might have a fate as bad as Rory's, but you know, we're only two episodes in with her. It felt very fairy telly to me. Uh, a lot of fairy tale elements, as far as the whimsical nature of some of the things we saw on screen, um, that great special effects that we've talked about for the past two weeks, and <laughs> mm-hmm. um, overall, I just felt like—and I say this a lot—but I do feel like it was it was fun at times, very heartfelt uh, as well, and um, the the addition of Jenny and Vastra and, and Strax was just amazing they're always great <laughs> fun stuff with them and overall you know i really i really had fun with this as well as you know i said again some some emotional points as well uh but overall i enjoyed it
1: i absolutely loved this episode i had forgotten how good this episode was i mm-hmm. literally had forgotten how good this was the it checked all the boxes And it did what Christmas episodes of Doctor Who that work for me do is it makes it Christmas but doesn't make it Christmas. You know, it's it's not that Christmas is the end-all, be-all, end-of-all, this is what's happening. It's part of the tapestry of the story, but it doesn't overwhelm the story. And I loved that. Now... What I really liked was they made me like this version of Clara. I was excited to have this version of Clara as the companion. No offense to what comes later for the character, but this character that died, I was sad to see that happen, and I liked her from from the moment that she set foot on the scene it was like okay how did this victorian person from the 18 you know 1800s wind up in the future in space and that was what my brain was trying to process so yes loved 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 this episode but let's start at the beginning specifically the new title sequence and clarence Thoughts about this new sequence, and I know the music and the look isn't always your forte, so that's why I'm pointing it to you. Curious. Well,
0: maybe we should skip me, because I didn't even watch it. <laughs>
1: you blaspheme. <laughs> I didn't yes. even watch. Who doesn't watch the Doctor Who thing? I walked away, man. I'm my bad. <laughs> this this episode hurt. of Discussing Who no longer features Clarence Brown. <laughs> you're well. whipped <laughs> um no seriously okay lee since clarence was incapacitated at the time what sure. did you think of i remember the- see uh, kind of going huh when uh when
2: i saw this the first time because for the first time well the shapes are very non-specific you know that for for a long time we've had this tunnel that we're going down and now we're we're not having that which of course takes us back to the beginning right to the to the first second third um the tunnel was actually kind of a late introduction and we get um the doctor's face back mm-hmm. in it, which we haven't done since sylvester mccoy sylvester mccoy the tv movie has it has the master it, yeah, right? it has his eyes in it anyway so that was that was interesting i don't know it, i just thought it was it, it's uh it, it's different. It was definitely a change, and and I thought a welcome one. It just it just makes you sit up and go, "What is this?" Oh, it's you know it's it's interesting. So
1: yeah, I I echo everything you just said, and I was most excited about seeing the face. You know, they could have been you know humming it in the background, and the face was like exciting because it was like finally you know the face again. So that and it's that... not too long. It's just. You know, yes, just there. And you, you miss it. If you get up, you miss it, you know. So <laughs> I want to talk about, since we're talking about the new title sequence, and we've been talking about this scene where Clara and the doctor go into the TARDIS and we see the new TARDIS interior for the first time. So, Lee, tell us what was it about this? Saying that caught your attention and Clarence, you know, follow up after late, please. I, I almost blush to admit this, but I had to read somebody on social
2: media saying, and in this episode, of course, the team finally got to do something that surely they've always wanted to do, you know, starting in 1963, we started with a solid view of the exterior of the TARDIS, followed somebody without cutting the camera, without cutting all the way into the interior of the TARDIS. Which theoretically, from TV terms, is impossible. <laughs> but we're with the impossible girl, right? So, and part reading that made me realize how completely I had bought into the illusion of what we're watching. Because even as sort of special effects hip as I am, that I'm always on the lookout for things like that, I didn't question it when I saw it the first time. I just, I guess I just thought the camera is right behind. Clara, and we're just following her, so we just see what she sees. But wait a minute. <laughs> we out in the audience know that those are two separate realities. You can't just coast from one
0: to the other, but we did. And it is a beautiful thing. So, Clara, um, everything that Lee just said, um, in addition to just all the effects leading up to that point, I felt were brilliant as well. I mean, mm. they made the the notion of climbing a ladder and then a stairwell into the clouds. Right. I know it's not real, but I never was like, oh, that's stupid. I was like, oh, this is nice. This is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And and, yeah, just leading into that shot, which was another bit of a brilliance where you're just like, huh? (laughs) How did they do this? (laughs) You want to
1: know how they did that? In, In part, is a testament to Jenna Coleman. Her acting sold the stairway her acting sold pulling this the um ladder out of thin air mm-hmm. she sold I agree. to me
0: although she should not have been able to reach that ladder if you ask me because matt smith had, is six foot tall he had to jump up to get it and she's yeah. five two so mm-hmm. uh... <laughs> and and wearing a dress with a bustle
2: you know? yeah uh, yeah i a corset yeah I, I i sort of i questioned that too but you know that's yeah minor minor detail.
1: It's a quibble. Mm, yeah. I, have, and, I have an explanation.
2: Well, didn't the doctor as much as say later on that he actually cheated it for her? I mean, he made gave
1: her the umbrella. Gave her the umbrella so that she could pull it. <coughs> mm-hmm. I say that the TARDIS extended <laughs> it so that she could get it because it was meant to happen. Gave her a little
0: help there. I'll buy yeah. that. Yeah. But but do we know why we have a new TARDIS interior? Now I think that a lot of time has passed.
2: You you mm-hmm. can't ever tell it by looking at him. But um, I mean, it's going to be a long time before we can see it on him. But um, I get the feeling that after losing Amy and Rory, um, he really had. Well, she Clara says sulking. Uh, I think he has gone off to sulk for a long time. Mm.
1: And I think that Moffat wanted to have a distinction between the ponds and Clara, the the aesthetic look, because this is a change, and the, the theme changed some, right. the intros changed some, the tweed jacket was gone yep. from that point on, and so too was the TARDIS interior. Now, I will go on record and saying right now that this, version of the interior that we see for the first time is my favorite 2005 forward mm-hmm. version. I love this. Now, what we see with the um, 12th doctor variation, I'm cool with it too, but I love this version. It's, Good. it seems cool, crisp. I just really like it. So. And, and
2: I'll agree with you except flipping those last two. This is my second favorite <laughs> interior until we get to Peter Capaldi's. The I guess the in-real-life answer to the IRL answer, Clarence, I think, is uh, they wanted to sell some more toys.
1: <laughs> True. Yeah. So, yeah, it it's like he's got to get a new costume. Yeah. And, and, and. and yeah. it, it's coming up on the 50th anniversary, yeah. and that other TARDIS didn't
0: gel as well for a bigger cast. But but it it also feels like we mentioned all these things that are getting redone and rebooted, so to speak. It feels as grand of, even though this may not, may not be the real introduction to Claire, <laughs> this this feels like a grand of a start as it did it, when we first saw Matt Smith with the, you know, fairy tale introduction to Amy. It, it's it's kind of the same thing. That's true. And Moffat is, is on record. He says many times that he
1: he thought of his of the series as being a fairy tale. Those are the stories he wanted to. You know, tell. it's interesting. You both keep bringing up fairy tale. I didn't feel fairy taleish with this. I just enjoyed it. You know? yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah. You know, I didn't. I felt there was a lot of aspect of Amy that was fairy tale, and I would go easily say it was fairy tale. This I didn't feel. I just thought it was good. Yeah. Bottom line, it was well, good. They were not exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. But but still you know it was just good
2: I think the the fairy tale aspect is that we have that we are once again one of the things that moffat uh, really wants to adhere to from the uh rtd era I think is that at Christmas we're going to take something that is sacred to Christmas and it's going to be evil so we have killer Christmas trees and you know and killer decorations and killer robot Santas and so on and so on so this time it's
1: we hadn't got around to snowmen yet. We but get? here we do. So, yeah. We keep talking about Clara, and I want to finish our conversations on Clara before we get into the other. And I want to talk about first, Clara's first, this first introduction that we see of our first version of Clara Oswald in the episode. And Clarence, I'll start with you. As introductions go, how did you feel this introduction to that version of Clara seeing her in the bar running out meeting the doctor what were your thoughts watching this again
0: oh so good it's it's her curiosity is what makes it so much fun uh she's not willing to let the doctor just you know (laughs) impress her and leave and run off she's like so curious and and obviously from the jump you know she would Even if you haven't seen anything else of her, you think, oh, man, she's going to be an awesome companion just by her curiosity and her willingness to engage. And as we see later on in the episode, how smart she is and on, you know, on point with the situation. So, yeah, just as an introduction, I loved every second of it. I loved her her quippiness. (laughs) And um, yeah, I I thought it it was it was pretty grand.
1: So, Lee, I'm going to edit my question just a little bit for you. We've often made reference, you and I, to not having any historical-based companions since 2005 forward. They've all been present-day companions. Mm -hmm. Do you remember watching this back and seeing this introduction of an 1800s Mm -hmm. character? What were your thoughts? Were you excited about non-current?
2: Right. I was saying, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. Yeah, because this is as close as we could get to going back and getting Vicky. Uh, although you could also say, didn't we do this with Vicky? <laughs> so, I mean, haven't we already had a Victorian girl in the TARDIS? So, you know, it is. It's a new series. That was a long time ago. And uh, it, it, everything the Clarence said, I, 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 yeah, I can't agree more. I feel like that I am transporting into the character of the Doctor as I'm watching this. And I'm watching how smart she is, how courageous she is how adept she is at handling with with weird situations that she's just taking these things on board as fast as she can okay that's how that works now now i know we see that she's leaving a double life (laughs) (laughs) so we know there's a lot more to her that that, that, than we can tell from and we haven't even you know found out yet that she's the impossible girl um he hasn't connected that up yet And, and and i had to remind myself he didn't see souffle girl he doesn't no. he know what she looks like, but he doesn't. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's why he isn't recognizing her the minute he sees her. And you um, would
1: automatically remember a voice.
2: No, yeah. He's like, yeah, since yeah, he's he's this close to Strax, who calls her a boy. Uh <laughs> he doesn't know. That moment where he hands her the key. Oh man. You know, out in the audience, I thought, yeah, that's what I do.
1: <sighs> I know we've just met, but you're the one let's go so let's back up just a little bit. You mentioned strax, <laughs> so what did strax think of seeing Strax, Jenny, and Vastra return Clarence the the three of them back again
0: since the um a good man goes to war. What did you think? It was amazing. I feel like in a good Man goes to war, we just got a slight taste of what they could be but here they're back in all their full glory. And uh, (laughs) one of the best moments in the episode is when uh, the captain gets introduced to what's going on and, Oh, we're married. And you know, of course you have this, this lizard looking lady <laughs> and a human woman. And then you see the potato man over there. And then <laughs> just just a great way to introduce these characters and they're fun. Strax is so much fun in this episode. And I love seeing uh Madame Vastra with uh you know, well, her her engine going back to the detective type, Sherlock Holmes type stuff, uh investigating uh what's going on in their in their time frame here. So yeah, they're just so much fun. Um, I could go on. Is is the conversation she had they had with um with with uh Clara, just just the one word answered great stuff. It's just uh they were so much fun in this episode. <laughs> Lee? Yeah, I've gotta agree. I I really I I don't know if you if
2: you know, maybe you do know, but the, the Sherlockian game or the Sherlockian joke is that we we know that Holmes and Watson must have been real people. There's books about him, right? But the thing, some of the things that Watson describes in his telling the story, we know didn't really happen because they're historical events. So, the game that's played now that all the stories are written and Arthur Conan Doyle is dead is that Watson must have been playing with the facts a little bit. That he's telling <laughs> us the story kind of the way it happened, but not exactly. The names
1: so, have changed to protect the identity exactly.
2: So, yeah, and sometimes Watson. It, Conan Doyle really started this because sometimes Watson will, will say as much. He'll say, I can't really t- tell you who this really was, but here's a hint. You know? <laughs> so Moffat knows that he, he's a player of the game. So he's taken it a huge step forward. The stories that are getting published in the strand as a, uh, uh, our bad guy in this story, what's his name? Oh, wow. Other than
1: GI, he was Dr. Simeon. Yes. Uh, Walter yeah. Simeon. It's because <laughs> I was, the, I kept thinking the Great the monkey. Yeah.
2: Yes. Doctors, right. <laughs> Dr. Simeon. Yeah. He, he, there's a reference to this. Um, Anyway, um, yeah, the stories that are getting published on the strand, they're about Sherlock Holmes are actually about a green lizard woman from the dawn of time and her wife. (laughs) So Watson is covering up a lot as he's publishing these stories. Um, (laughs) Well, it was actually about me and my guy friend to whom I'm not married (laughs) and so on. So anyway, so that's a lot of fun. And we've already heard that she's already dealt with Jack the Ripper and she ate him. So, um so
1: he won't be bothering anybody again. So why do you guys think that these three well, other than Jenny, Jenny's just, you know, a normal human, but mm-hmm. you have the lizard lady from the dawn of time, you have Mr. Potato Head who's kind of been dead and revived and not completely mentally revived. Mm-hmm. Um so I would say he is the Le Bichon a, of Doctor <laughs> Who, perhaps, maybe. There you go so um having said that what makes these three oddball characters resonate with fans any thoughts mm. any either they certainly have the charm of variety yes
0: yes yes
2: um and, and to me the strax joke just never wears thin. that <laughs> no. he's still he's he's a genetically created warrior and that's 90 percent of what his mind is but He's in debt to the doctor, and he's trying, I guess, to be a good person as
1: best <laughs> he can for the glory of the <laughs> Centauran Empire.
2: Right, so he'll say, "Yeah." Later, we'll destroy you for the <laughs> glory of the Centauran Empire. May I take your hat and coat? <laughs> oh, man. I just never get tired of that.
1: Yeah. Well, every t- you know, it, it, it is such a cool thing for us to have had the opportunities that doing discussing who has presented. Because watching this helps me remember Clarence. You and I have actually met Jenny. Yes, yes. You know. Yeah. And that that is so cool. Now going back and seeing her again and remember, oh, I met yeah. you. Yeah. You know. Have a, we have a
2: fine photo of uh, the yes, two indeed. of you with her in the middle. Yes, indeed. She she also is teeny. It's she's also tiny, isn't she? She's a yes. She's pretty pretty she's, short. Yeah. She's, she's not small like. Um, Uh, starkey but uh, no
1: and i and and every time we bring her up i always think of when we saw her she felt like her time as jenny was done Mm -hmm. and somebody asked what about big finish and lo and behold like a year and a half later here came big finish so there you go kudos to her kudos to her onward so let's move on and talk about. Since we're talking about the three of them, I want to mention really quick the one word test. Clarence, you're shaking <laughs> your head. Tell me, one word test. What did you think? I, so
0: maybe that's a thing that I just never knew about or heard about, but I just feel like it, 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 the, the way it allowed Clara to choose her words very, um, uh, cho- Dig hard to choose the right words for the moment or the right word for the moment. I just felt like it was great. I was, I was, uh, chomping at the bit to see how she would answer this in, in just excellent writing. That's all it was. Yeah. How hard would that be to say the right word each time? And she, but she did it. And that's another point that shows you how, how brilliant she was. And, mm-hmm. and I think their, uh, reasoning was that this would force you to, tell the truth instead of being like, you know, politicians that ramble on or whatever. <laughs> the answer might be in there somewhere, but, you know, we can we can put some fluff around it. With the goal of just giving one word, it it really cho- it makes her choose the right the right thing to say and and be concise in, in what she was trying to convey. So I just, I thought that whole thing, the way it played out was just beautiful.
2: Yeah, I uh, agree completely. I, th- I think Clarence has once again put his finger right on it. It may at first just appear to be a a quirk. You think, oh, this is a a Silurian thing, I guess. But no, it's very canny if you're trying to find out the truth from somebody, an emotional truth, Mm. which I think is what she's after. You don't get to prevaricate or hide your meaning behind a lot of words. you you got to say
1: this exact thing.
2: Yeah, it's a very interesting scene, and I'd completely forgotten about it.
1: This is something that I've never forgotten about. From the, I may have forgotten everything else that happened in the episode, but this I didn't. And what's made it stick in my head is, you guys know, you've known me, you know, many years now. My thing with words is, I don't like few words. I talk way too much. I write way too much. If I try to explain something. One words are hard for me, so that really really, really, really stuck in my head in a cool way because it made me think and and that's always cool, you know, if it can make you think
2: no it's uh it, you're certainly not alone in that I mean i know i I listen to these episodes and think, for God's sake, Lee, shut up um and I'm using ten words when one will do, but I'm trying to remember is it somewhere in the correspondence of Oscar Wilde, one of the people that he wrote. Exchanged witty letters with that one of them had written to him, and his closing the letter he says, "Sorry for the long letter; didn't have time to write a short one." <laughs> <thing." laughs> <laughs> and all of us who write, we go <laughs> exactly. Got gotcha. you. Yeah, because that is that's harder. That takes more time. Yeah.
1: Mm. It's hard. So that sounds like you're saying that people of a certain learned individual, you know, people who have maybe. Not just a moderate intelligence, but a great intelligence, perhaps. Yeah, but he talked a lot, and he sounded like Sir Ian McKellen, which is <laughs> indeed. Lee, I'm going to point this one to you first. I did not really know much about GI, the Great Intelligence, when you know this came on, you know, because the Web of Fear hadn't been released yet at that time. So when you heard or saw GI, did it ring bells for you? Yeah, but only because I knew about um,
2: other stories, some of which are ancillary to to Doctor Who canon about the great intelligence. So there was that, but uh, yeah, since now that we have better, we actually have access to the story in which that notion is actually introduced, did it strike you as funny that the doctor seemed to be encountering it for the first time? Is that at the end of this story, he's saying great intelligence. It's it's like he he almost remembers, but he has to search for it.
1: <laughs> mm. And I think it's because it's been a long time. Oh, was it because he was trying to figure out where he was in the in the great intelligence timeline? Uh-huh.
2: Yeah.
1: I'll buy that. The the reason uh, I see say that is i went back and read chronologically it says that this meeting with the 11th doctor is before in the great intelligence timeline is before the great intelligence meeting with the second doctor mm. so chronologically this occurs prior to that because the doctor actually gives the great intelligence the idea of going to the London Underground by the um, oh, he does say that and he and he shows him the lunchbox. Mm-hmm. So it's the Underground where we see the Great Intelligence. Oh, that's what that meant. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. Hey, why are we talking about the
2: London Underground and on a lunchbox? <laughs> I want that lunchbox, but I, but yeah. Apart from that, <laughs> so that's why the GI doesn't know. Uh, Not gastroenterologist,
1: but uh, the great intelligence. That's why he doesn't know the doctor. doctor. Right. And the great intelligence says something in the web of fear that is basically a reference of having met the doctor before. Wow. Wibbly wobbly, so coolly wooly. Now I got to
0: see the web of fear, right? Of.
2: Well, as long as we're talking about the the baddies in this story, a moment for Richard E. Grant, who uh, briefly the ninth doctor. In Scream of the Shalka, which was a a webisode, um, a web series made in 2003, I want to say. I think so. Yeah, Yeah, we were we were marching up towards the full-on revival of the series, and if that didn't work, then we were going to do Animated Adventures of the Doctor, Mm -hmm. uh, starring Richard Grant, uh, Richard E. Grant. I have to imagine that, like uh, Michael J. Fox, that there was already somebody whose name was Richard Grant, who was already registered. And so when he became an actor, he had to be Richard E. Grant. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I don't know why the awkward syllable there, but um, a fine, fine actor. I love the way the Doctor is written in Scream of the Shalka.
1: I don't like the design of the character as he's drawn. Mm -mm. I remember. It almost looks like a combination of a mobster and vampire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. there's a little yeah, Doctor Morbius
2: uh, kind of yeah. touch there. Um, I just find it uh, off-putting, um, or, or a character from Aeon Flux maybe. But I had forgotten. I I just watched it again because here here he is in uh, as uh, Doctor Simeon. So uh, I went back and watched a screen with Shaka again. Yeah, I just love the way he's written. He's so he's so witty and so funny and just he's just cool. You know, he's just he's a cool cat. I think that may be one of the reasons why they didn't make more of those is because people may have just seen the art and said, Yeah, that ain't the doctor.
0: Yeah.
1: And you, you fall in the pit stop of, or pitfall of having to explain ninth doctor, ninth doctor, how, yeah. 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 So we've ended up with three ninth doctors uh, as, as it has
2: happened.
0: And, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I want to say this, huh? I have to seek this out. I haven't seen this.
2: Yeah, you need to see Scream of the Shalka. It's a, uh,
0: it is a, a, a
2: an entertaining, uh, entertaining story. And, uh, oh, and um one of the voices in it, there's a, a young woman who I guess is basically his companion in the story, although she enters and leaves the story a lot. But she's an attractive young African-American woman. And that actress, we'll see her again as Liz 10 in uh, The Beast Below.
1: Mm. Um,
2: how She'll, cool. You'll be able to see that their drawing was, clearly based on her. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, she she too will go on to be in the new series,
1: just as uh-huh. Richard Grant was. So. so so what did you guys think of this Dr. Simeon and this edible snow? And I don't mean edible <laughs> as in we could eat it, as in edible as in it will eat you snow. <laughs> yes. Clara? I promised <laughs> I would feed you. <laughs> yes. I didn't say to what.
0: Yeah, I I found that all interesting. I found the fact that I guess this s- sentient snow can well I don't know if it's a sentient or not. I can't remember, but anyway, it could read and interpret thought into realization somehow. Um, I'm a little mm-hmm. fuzzy on the whole story there, but I I do love how we get to the point to where uh, Doctor Simeon believes you know and even us up until this point we believe that this sentient snow or ice is is controlling him but the whole time it is his own thoughts that that is driving this being or this thing to to uh you know just be dark and evil and bad it's really just him so i i I, I like that twist on the story and in Maybe the resolution to it all was a little sketchy, but you know, if you if you're still playing on the on the notion that it's feeding on uh, people's thoughts that it's psych psychically psych- psychically connected to, uh, I guess it all kind of makes some sense. Yeah, I, I I wondered a lot of the same things, and I it is that's a very
2: satisfying conclusion, isn't it? No. But it's it, it really was. It was Simeon all along (laughs) to resist. He killed Sparky too. Um, I I mean, it was, and it wasn't. I mean, what he, what he had was an enabler, I think. And um, the great intelligence is, is making it possible for him to um, manifest these thoughts through the the sensitive snow, (laughs) whatever you call it. Um, Yeah. Very interesting and very sad too. He's another one of these people who, who got off on the wrong track as a, as a kid, and then we'll just see them, you know, reduced to nothing at the end. It's, you know, it's like the, the archaeologist in the Pyramids of Mars, right? It's just like,
1: this guy never had a chance. Yeah. Just See, I never really understood where the snow started and the great intelligence began or ended or whatever. And honestly, the rest of the story of what was going on, I didn't really care. You know, I this was one time where I wasn't like wanting to understand the motivation. I was fascinated by Clara, and mm-hmm. I was already starting in my mind trying to piece together what I thought was going to be a mystery. And I was enjoying Jenny strax and Vastra. I did the, the they were just like byproducts as far as you know. Oh, it's a callback to an ancient you know classic villain. Ah, that's cool
0: yeah i thought it was essential to at least understand a little bit of it uh because when it comes to the whole dramatic ending of the tear and you know all of their emotions of the the true. death and making it rain you know that just seems mm-hmm. stupid if you don't if you can't get that one <laughs> nugget of the fairy tale. Tra- yeah, true of the transference true. of their emotions on these uh on this snow um yeah yeah so i i i, I don't know. i get your point though it it was so much fun in the episode you really didn't have to focus on that at all and still have a a great time with it
2: The great intelligence in this episode is the, the here's your s a t simile uh <laughs> the the great intelligence is to snowman what prisoner zero is to the eleventh hour
0: Mm. mm. Okay.
2: Like, in a way, I don't care. The rest of the story, with the doctor's companion. That's what's going on. But I know
1: we got to do this, too, right? We got to... Very good. Very, very good. So, Clarence, we were talking about the happy moments and et cetera and so forth. When you see the ice creature take her out of the TARDIS, pull her, and she falls to the ground. Mm-hmm. Thoughts?
0: Well, I mean, that scene comes directly after the doctor has given her the key which makes it all the more heartbreaking you know she's like what is this this is me giving in what a freaking mm-hmm. good line <laughs> pulled away and uh, right. my jaw was on the floor like what you're not doing this to us but but yeah yeah the adventures they were going to have together, mm. the life the lives that she was going to live yeah. And, and especially from the perspective of maybe the viewer thinking this version of Clara was supposed to be the companion going forward. Yeah. You know, this is the second time yeah. they have pulled the rope a dope on us. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. With the same
1: with the same actress, but it's not the same character. <laughs> so so let me say this before you reply, Lee, before I forget it. One thing that I think Murray Gold did that was just brilliant: each one of these characters has their own theme. There's an Oswin Oswald theme. There's this version of Clara theme, and then of course there's Clara's theme. Mm-hmm. They're the same theme, but different. Each yeah. one of them has their own unique renditiony type, mm-hmm. um, you know, sound theme and variations. Yeah. So what did you think, Lee, when you see this fall to the ground? What were you thinking at that point? I had forgotten how this ends. So I was thinking about how many
2: times we've played this game with River where she'll throw herself into space once literally, knowing that he will swoop up and get her. And I, so we know it's possible he can run back in the TARDIS and be down there before she is. And he, and he just doesn't. He didn't. And I don't know if it's because he, he can't or, or what. I, I, I can't believe that it's because he won't. He's, he's fallible
1: like a, like a human. I think, I think he just got paralyzed. He's just watching it happen and he can't believe it. And then it had happened and it was a fixed moment because it right. was in his own timeline. Yeah. Now it's too late. Mm. And, or, or is it?
2: Because then they bring her in and there's this talk about how he may be able to give her some life.
1: But only temporarily.
2: But only temporarily so it's in the speech
0: and she mm-hmm. says run you clever boy oh man yeah I, I gotta give I gotta give both of those actors like a hand clap because even even in that moment when we know it's probably intimate that she's gonna die the doctor is still positive he is still positive that good is gonna come of this we're gonna go save the world there's gotta be a way mm. and the pr- beautiful thing about
1: this and again here I go with Murray Gold is you will hear this music again. Because, you, you know, Clarence, you've made reference to, I keep hinting at things with Amy and Rory, and then there's the build-up. There there is music that you hear during that conversation that you two guys were talking about right now that you will hear again at the finale of this series. When you connect that mentally, hearing it again... It just makes it so much better of how that part of the storytelling goes. It just frames it so cool.
2: This Christmas special has, uh, as part of the score, one of the variations of uh, I Am the Doctor, where he takes it very, very slow so that you have to sort of be paying it. You have, you have to recognize it first to mm-hmm. even know what's going on. But it's bum 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 <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute! I know that.
1: Oh yeah, I'm just accustomed to hearing it a lot faster. Yeah. So, so to Sorry. me, that sounds like the music is thinking what the doctor is thinking mm-hmm. as it picks up its bump, bump, yeah. bump, bump. Can bum, I do bum, this? Bum. Yes, yes, I
2: can because I'm the doctor. But I'm, yes, bum, and bum bump,
1: bump. Bum, bum. bum, yes, <laughs> exactly. All right, so gentlemen, I have, well, I do have one last thing. The second introduction, and Clarence, I'm going to point to you because Clarence is is your favorite. Uh, (laughs) Clara is your favorite. So the second introduction of Clara in this episode, at the end, this, to the future, we go and see Clara again.
0: Thoughts at that point? Where she just so happened to be walking by her own grave, her, previous life's gravestone yes Now i can't remember if that's like her grandmother or something i can't remember how what the logic is for that it felt kind of weird to me to see her <laughs> by the gravestone but you know um yeah, i guess we didn't get much but it was it was cool to see how the direction they're going to take the story in as the doctor searches for another clara as he sees something ain't quite right with her popping up in his timeline over and over so
2: we have to end this serial thinking, well, I thought she was going to be the new companion. She's dead again. (laughs) What the, what, what the, what, but it is an interesting, this isn't just the usual he's going to bless somebody with this, you know, with this uh, gift. This is, this is a quest. This is interesting, you know? And we don't know.
1: And we, we, the audience don't know what the belief is going on. Right. So, gentlemen, I have gone through all of my notes, and I have to ask, are there any other items that you guys have on your list that we have not discussed?
2: Kind of a big one from a screenwriting point of view. What do you think about the coincidence? Is it a coincidence that there's a pond that is pivotal to this story, and the doctor is feigning a lack of interest in all this until the magic word is said, pond? Does, it, does that bother you that
0: that's... Because it's not his pond. That's the only part about the one word conversation that I guess we saw that was off screen. They didn't show her saying that because I think Mm Fastra told the doctor, but I didn't, I didn't like that. I mean, I know why they did it. And of course Mm -hmm. that would trigger the doctor to go investigate, but it, it felt like a little bit too much. (laughs) It's, it's no, isn't it? It's no, in my mind, not really.
2: Because
1: I can explain it, but I can't explain it now. I can I can explain it to the three of us after we get off recording. But <laughs> it was a word that was said because that was what was needed to save the doctor. Yeah, I understand that. But also in terms of
2: story logic, I, I think it's kind of cool that this guy has a body of water that somebody died in. And they keep saying that she's still in there when... Surely she isn't. Yeah. But so that idea, just sort of from a horror fantasy point of view, that is genuinely cool. So getting to that pond is going to be important. But (laughs) it's it's heavy handed that the only reason he goes there is because it happens to be called a pond. But (laughs)
1: I think she said that specifically or that she was there with a body that might have been in a pond. So that was what was needed to Mm -hmm. save the doctor. Yeah, I can't wait till we get there, actually, because I, I got questions about that whole thing. Yeah, I have to go in there. But before we go in there, my question is, Clarence, any other items for you? No, I think we pretty much covered it. All right, then I'm going to point to
0: you, my friend, and ask you, favorite quote. What was your favorite quote? Oh, man. We didn't talk about the whole flirtatious nature of Clara and the Doctor, which um was... Weird coming off of, you know, Amy kind of doing the same thing, but eventually had, you know, Rory along to, to kind of squash that. But, but yeah, it felt kind of weird at first. But I love the scene where they're going through the window at the top of the the house and he's pulling her out and they like fall on top of each other. And he, t- and he tells her, you're going to have to take off, take those clothes off. I'm like, what? No, doctor. <laughs> no. Uh, i just got a kick out of that one but
1: were they about to go to church what <laughs>
2: <laughs> spoilers totally over my head <laughs> yeah that's that's still in the future i have to take these clothes off <laughs> predictably my favorite line of this
1: episode is this dwelling is under attack remain calm <laughs> human scum <laughs> all right my favorite quote <laughs> of a similar vein it's the human. Uh, it's the human male from the institute. What's he doing here? So I suggest that we melt his brain with projectile acid fish and then interrogate him.
0: <laughs> Other <way> around. <laughs> well, well why are we're doing this, Jacks, so, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll offer an honorable mention here. Uh, if I ever need the advice of a psychotic potato dwarf, you will certainly be the first to know. <laughs> uh, the whole thing with him bungling the memory worm is is is
2: yeah one of the most memorable things from a christmas episode it's christmas yes. special ever i think I
1: so love that favorite scene lee shackleford favorite scene could you guess what would be your guess oh i don't know going inside the tardis oh
2: matt smith dressed up as sherlock holmes i mean <laughs> oh come, come on okay. yeah his whole business of <laughs> saying i deduce from your collar <laughs> something ridiculous yeah no he, he apparently thinks it works at random. So he's just <laughs> saying things. <laughs> yeah. I, I, of course, loved him in Victorian England pretending to be Sherlock Holmes when he knows from the inside that there ain't no Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> it's
0: Madame Vastra. Anyway. All right. Favorite scene. Clarence Brown. I like the uh, bow tie mirror scene where he's like, uh, how did I, I didn't even know I put this on. And then somebody said, I forgot what the exact wording was. Like, it's cooler. It's cool out here. Or something to that effect. He's like, yeah, mm-hmm. it is cool. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, force of hell. Doc.
1: <laughs> All right. So this is going to sound morbid, but it's not meant to be. My favorite scene was actually when she died for real mm-hmm. and said, run, run, you clever boy and remember for the sole reason of it made my brain kind of melt for a little bit and think, oh, cool. We're about to start a new mystery, a real, real mystery. And so that has to be my favorite. So final rating. Clarence, I'll start with you. Final rating.
0: I will give this five uh, invisible spiral staircases out of five. All right. Lee, what say you? I, I really
2: remembered that I didn't like this Christmas special at all, and I haven't watched it since it aired. So I was gobsmacked by how much I did enjoy it. It's still not perfect. You know, it's got some some things that are missteps or pacing problems somewhere. So I'm gonna give it four and a half bubbles with Sarian McKellen's voice in it. <laughs> so
1: I can't remember why I, my oh, I was going to say what my writing was, but I don't remember. But <laughs> if I were to guess, I might Did say, you wear the gauntlets when you handled the worm? <laughs> five memory worms Damn. out of five <laughs> yes you, that, you that's did, it you didn't Thank wear you the center. gauntlets? no didn't wear the gauntlet so that is my final rating five out of five memory worms there you go all right gentlemen where else might you be found on the internet or what have you been reading or watching please shackelford i'll start with you hmm
2: <sighs> Yeah, I gotta I gotta start preparing week to week uh, for to answer this question because it's a good one, but you know it's a great opportunity. But I got nothing.
1: Um, yeah, I have one for you. Yeah, if you would like to hear Lee as a romantic lead in a comedy, mm-hmm. check out Oz Nine where he plays Pluto, mm-hmm. Lord of the Underworld. Mm-hmm. You better believe it. With the season, what is this season three finale? Mm-hmm. Yep. right around the corner we just recorded episode 59
2: and episode 60 is the it of it it
1: yes Can't i'm sorry I,
2: I had an alarm going off there so i'll say that again this is, we just recorded episode 59 and episode 60 is the it of it season three and i know i haven't seen the script yet but knowing you know the way that we who write audio fiction think, there's probably going to be 18
1: cliffhangers (laughs) So, Yep. And with that batch, 19 ways of not getting out of them. Exactly. There you go. All right, Clarence Brown, what are you watching or where can you be found on the internet?
0: Yes, I have been watching two shows on Disney+, one being Loki, which is amazing. I think Doctor Mm -hmm. Who fans will especially like it. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, brown things Little on there and also i've yeah. been watching old disney plus the bad batch which is the clone wars off series uh animated series of, of um everything that happens happens post order 66 <laughs> and i'm loving it it's, it's great so um two great shows on disney plus if you have it All
1: right. Well, for everyone who is watching us, thank you for bearing with us and watching us and seeing us behind the scenes of what you normally listen to. But for everyone listening, thank you for joining us. As Lee likes to say, you
2: You did not have to.
1: Thank you, sir. You did not have to. And with that, we are glad that you're here and we will be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network find out more at
0: discussingnetwork.com